on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, all those wonderful places. So welcome in. And to everybody who's joining in the live, please share one word about how you're feeling today and share where you're from. We love to hear that as well. And I am really excited about today's show for two reasons. One, I have two incredible guests and one that's brand new to Buddhist Biohacker. We are joined by Danae McKitten and Dr. Jason Loken. Welcome in both of you. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, this is such an honor. And the second reason I am excited is because of the topic today, which is about living in vitality. And I want to open this up to both of you with a little anecdote from my life. So um, in 2011, I had a health crisis and um, found out I have three major parasites that were attacking my liver and the frontal lobe of my brain. And they were causing neurological issues as well as many other issues. And I remember sitting in my doctor's office. She's a functional medicine doctor here in Colorado. She had a poster on her wall. And the poster said, feeling good in the center of the poster. And underneath feeling good were all these different feelings, you know, feeling fatigued, feeling ill, you know, migraines, these kinds of things. And above feeling good was like feeling great, feeling amazing. And it went up and up. And at the very top, it said, I feel vital. And that has been the driver of my health journey since I saw that poster. And it's a huge part of what we're talking about today. And so I want to open it up to both of you first with just your thoughts on living in vitality and what that really means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Danae, do you want to start? Do you want me to jump in? Okay. Okay. Well, I, I think I look at living in vitality is um, like a day-to-day -day journey. Um, with uh, with wellness, you know, beginning with the uh, the foods that you eat, um, as as many people have said, nutrition is kind of the walking papers for our genes and our gene expression. So um, nutrition is a vital part, and it's one that's terribly um, underserved in the medical community, and uh, yet needs to be a priority. And uh, then all the other things that go along with that, adequate sleep, uh, regular exercise, all those things that, you know, when, when people come into crisis, often uh, they're off to uh, their doctor's office to, you know, get a quick fix. And, um, you know, once they get out of crisis, it's never discussed with regards to the lifestyle uh, changes that go uh, hand in hand with those things in order to live in vitality again, you know, so um, a real downfall in the area of prevention. Uh, I've been in healthcare for over, well, close to 40 years. And, um, you know, my focus has always been prevention. And that's one of the areas that's still underserved, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you know, I think when I think about vitality, I think what's important to remember is that vitality is actually our inherent natural organic state. We are supposed to be living in vitality. So to me, the question then comes to what is actually getting in the way of our ability to access that innate vitality, vitality that is inherent in our bodies. Then that takes us on the road of trying to figure out those different things. You know, even, even to kind of say, okay, here's good, and then the different ranges and up to vitality, I understand that. And I think part of the problem is that um, most people don't even know what it feels like to be in a really profound state of vitality. Um, or I would invite people to go back and ask themselves when they last experienced that and what that actually felt like in their body again. Um, you know, one of the problems that I think happens with how we get in, in troubles with this or we don't know what to connect to with it is people don't even have a benchmark for it anymore. Most people live at a certain state, a certain state of wellness, day in and day out, that is what would be considered familiar. You know, it's like I think what we what we are familiar with, we eventually term as being normal. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference between normal and then I would say vitality, which I would say would be like optimal wellness. So sometimes people have lived in a certain state for a period of time that they don't even know what that even means, right? So sometimes you have to get them to a point where they can experience it in their body. And then once they experience it, then they know what had to get removed to get into that, that spot in the beginning, right? At that point in time, what is it? Now they know what it actually feels like. Yeah, I agree with both of you. And what you're talking about, Jason, is, is that was my journey. It's so easy to habituate to a certain way of living. And what I discovered was I was sort of putting up with stuff because I thought, yeah. oh, well, that's just how my body is. I just have this rash or I just have this reaction or I just have this issue. And it was an astounding journey for me to discover that actually I don't need to experience any of that. That all can go away. And I, I'm not an insomniac. I actually do get wonderful sleep and I actually have all this great energy. And I think that that's how do we how do we see that we're not in vitality because i think it's so easy to become unconscious to it and not even recognize like you're saying we don't even know we're not vital we just think this is kind of how our life is so how do we even begin to see it in the first place I think it's really important to um, tune in and listen to our bodies. Our bodies are constantly giving us messages. And we get so busy with that outside of ourselves that we forget to focus within. Because within is where the healing begins. And those are the messages, you know, subtly. Um, they always begin subtly. And then all of a sudden you get the hammer over the head and you're in crisis. But, um, you know, I, I, I think we've been given that God-given innate ability to be able to uh, know we're just, you know, we're not, we're not as tuned in uh, to those subtle signs that we should be. And that's mm -hmm. I think, the challenge, you know, where it, where it begins. Looking yeah, it's subtle, subtleties. Yeah. And I, you said a key thing there about tuning back in. You know, I think that's that's the dialogue that we have to be able to open back up again. In in many ways, I think we have been conditioned from early on to actually not really pay attention to what our body's innate wisdom is and what our body's actually telling us. So 
And vitality, when we think about it, it's not just physical. So we might think about a physical symptom that we've got and, and you know, what, you know, maybe we're too low in vitamin D or we don't have enough this or that or all these different things or adrenals get affected. Like those are all very real things that need to be worked with. But again, I would be going beyond that to look at all the different layers. You know, you said something really important, Lisa. You said, what are we willing to put up with, right? How much stuff can I put up with? I think that's a really profound question to ask on almost all levels. So, because a lot of times vitality, you think about vital, I mean, this is the this, this is that, that innate healing capacity that exists within everybody. And when I say that that's the natural state, that is the natural state when that's flowing properly. And so how do you know when it's not there? Sometimes if you're an analytical kind of person, maybe you do a questionnaire where you sort of run through, you know, like in one of my books, I've got a questionnaire and it basically just runs through to sort of see if, you know, some stuff that we've almost become, um, that we've normalized that goes, oh, maybe that's not so normal. It's like when you talk to someone, they're like, yeah, I have a bowel movement every four days and it seems to be okay. And that's just what it's been like for a long time. It's like, well, that might not be optimal, right? So sometimes people don't even know those pieces. And then the other part that I would jump into that ties back to what Danae said would be to really get touched into your feeling sense. So what are you feeling? Be aware of when you feel anxious. Be aware of when you feel constricted in the body or when something feels tight, when something just feels off. Like really pay attention to those things. And then from that point, then you have to sort of eventually decide when do you want to make a different action around it because it's not serving you anymore. But those types of things will constantly be shutting down those, those channels to allow that, literally that, that innate healing capacity to flow through the body. Mm -hmm. Well, and both of you are touching on, I mean, it's that mindfulness practice with the body, right? Like, and I talk about it in my book, you know, I love the questionnaire and, and what I talk about is just put your hands on your body and feel it. I mean, how many times have we gotten a bruise or a cut and we have no idea where it came from? And that goes back to this unconsciousness to our physical bodies on the planet. We're always so overstimulated and going and going. And so coming back to that mindful state and really asking yourself, like, how does my body actually feel? You know, what's going on inside of it? What are some of you guys' favorite tools to, to do that? What are some of the things you might do with yourself or your patients or clients? Go ahead, Jason. <laughs> um, I think probably one of my favorite ones, especially right now, um, when you've got the opportunity to, is to get out in nature. That I always find that clears everything. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Nature is such, I mean, I feel like everything needs to get back more to kind of natural rules and the way that the world works according to nature, I think was helpful for everybody. But just getting out in nature itself is is profound. I mean, nature's beauty by itself actually calms the brain down. You get out of that sort of almost, I mean, a lot of what creates some um, I think that, you know, fatigues people, especially when people are on, say, a, a computer device a lot. Not that we don't have to have that stuff done at certain times, but if they're on for a long time, a lot of the mental fatigues comes from trying to filter out the information that we don't actually need. It's um, it's a lot of that, a lot of brain capacity going, trying to filter things out. When you're at nature, there's nothing that needs to be filtered out. So it almost gets a real break and everything just starts to settle back down. And when that nervous system settles down, then we're in the actual proper state to be able to tune back in more, 
more coherently, right? Our heart, our brain start to communicate more naturally in nature. We are able to connect more to that inner authority and be less susceptible to what's coming from the outside. We start to really, I feel like you, you start to own that, that sort of body sovereignty, you know, that, that type of an idea. You start to listen to yourself. And I ultimately think like when we slow things down, we know the answers. You know, you'll get an inkling or an aha moment about something that'll say, oh, I should maybe try this or maybe I should try that. Um, or maybe I need to make some changes in this aspect of my life. I mean, when we slow it down, the answers are there. We just need to start to practice again to make make that more of a natural default state as opposed to this thing that we have to really work hard almost to try to disappear from the rest of our life to be able to access it. And for myself, I, you know, talking about, as Jason says, about getting into nature is just grounding myself, you know, taking my shoes off, putting my feet on the grass, laying in the grass. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit challenging in, in Alberta with our, our winters that we have here. They can be kind of long, but even just getting out and enjoying, um, uh, you know, the, the different seasons, you know, at, at different times of the year. Um, it, it really separates you, like you say, from the electronic devices that really can have an impact. I've noticed um, of that aspect that when I've just had it, I'll just close down the computer and head outside and just even just sitting in the sunshine, I find that that's amazingly healing for me. And thank goodness I live in a province now that has an incredible amount of sunshine. So <laughs> <laughs> makes up for the, the cold weather. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I know I live in Colorado and I can't imagine like not having the amount of sunshine and I know I take it for granted and I should not. Yeah. <laughs> I want to share some of our comments. Um, Tracy is sharing, I agree that normal has become a very low compromise state. I'm excited to hear uh, more on how to move into vitality and hope is sharing nature is 100% the best medicine when I feel like I have dis-ease or uneasy feelings, nature and laughter. So thank you guys so much for sharing. Please do and please ask questions if you have them for us. And I agree, nature is is my best friend. And, you know, I'd like to move, I know there's a, a several topics we all wanted to dive into, but I want to move a little bit into cells while we talk about nature, because we just talked about electronics, right? And there's a lot of great physics out there about how our cellular structures are actually the nuclei are moving around based on, you know, what kind of radio waves and, and electronic exposure that we're receiving. And when you go into nature, you know, they kind of reset and rebound, which could be why we're getting clear. Um, but I'm obsessed with cells and I want to know what you guys are doing around cells, what you want to say about it, what you're seeing about cleaning cells and clearing cells. I don't even care where we go with it, but I just love talking about it so much. <laughs> You know, I, I just did an interview this morning. We're putting together um, a big series on trauma recovery because I think that's a really important part that people are going to need to work with more and more over this next while. And um, we were talking to Damien Wynn, and uh, he actually does a lot of sort of um, almost like uh, energetic work, and he works directly with the idea of cellular detoxifying, right? Mm -hmm. So now I think ultimately you can change the cells in a lot of different ways. So, um, and, and so let me preface it this way. When, when I think of health, I think of health as being this kind of pyramid, right? And ultimately where we usually work on the biology of it is down here on the physical level. Now, the reality is, is that 
there's sort of a spiritual level, there's an archetype level, there's a mental body, a vital body, and then there's a physical body. And all of those things can affect the physical, it can happen directly at physical, but it's a top-down model. So it almost goes from more abstract to more concrete. And how I think about cellular health in many ways is to me, it's like, have you guys ever heard of uh, Rupert Sheldrake's morphogenic fields or any of that kind of work before? Mm -hmm. So a morphogenic field is essentially the idea. It's like a blueprint for how the cell is going to work, right? And that actually takes place at that vital body level. That vital body level is where we deal with things like acupuncture meridians and chakras, and it ties in with the emotional world, how we're processing emotions. And that essentially is like the blueprint that then comes down for the cellular body. So if something is off there, then the blueprint is always going to be putting out a certain piece of information. And then we're always going to be keep creating the same cells over and over and over again. So to me, when I think of, of cellular health, I think of it, first, I want to make sure that we're clear on the blueprint. So that's where we have to kind of dive in and look at, you know, where are our emotions spending a lot of their time? Um, how do I work with even the, the patterns and thinking that are often faulty because I then create certain emotions. And then those certain emotions keep changing the morphogenic field, which is then always bringing back the physical body. Now you can address the physical body on the physical level. This is the power of certain things like nutrients and detoxification and purification, all these different kind of processes that I think are really important to clean out the physical body. But on some level, just like if you keep taking in, you know, lots of GMO foods and lots of pesticides and stuff, you have to keep cleaning out the body. So you got to kind of minimize your exposure to stuff like that that's causing harm in the cells. And then at the same point, um, bring in the things that are going to be supportive for it. healthy nutrition, proper sleep, all the stuff Danae talked about at the beginning. When I'm talking about it from a vital body level, that means we need to really start to work even the layer above because I think that precedes what happens in the physical body. So that's another piece that I think sometimes people aren't aware of when they think about cellular health. So I wanted to make sure that was that was brought up. I'm so glad you did. Danae, go ahead. And the emotional, like um, when you talked about the pyramid being the top, being the spiritual and, and emotional level, Sometimes that that just just the energy of your emotions can have such a huge impact mm -hmm. on the cell at, at the physical and cellular level of your body. You know, um, they talk about uh, cancer prevention with regards to that and visualization and 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 all those things and the profound effect um, that that can have. Um, you know, um, with regards to nutrient therapy, I remember this one client, I was, I was at a, uh, doing a locum in Nelson, British Columbia, in a dental office, and we were sitting down for lunch, and this one gal, her um, mother-in-law had had advanced nutrient therapy testing, and she had initially gone in for, uh, like, excruciating fibromyalgia pain. And uh, it was working on uh, the assessment of uh, the labs and blood and urine tests for advanced nutrient therapy, where they actually determined she was she was copper toxic and had this metal metabolism issue. And once that was addressed through um, a chelation process using um, you know zinc supplementation and things like that to remove the excess copper, she had absolutely no more pain in her body. So sometimes things can begin in the mind, begin in the brain, and in fact, um, the cellular disposition of the rest of your body. 
So um, looking at the body as complete and whole uh, is an area, you know, being in preventative dentistry, you know, we always looked ab above the neck. And I always say that um, conventional medicine had always cut the neck from neck and head off from the rest of the body. So, and yet being the mainframe and the computer portion sort of of the entire body is, uh, is an area that's just often underserved in so many, so many ways, so many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and when we talk about the, oh, I have so much I want to talk about. I love both of you so much because I just love this stuff well, because we can heal ourselves. It's fabulous, isn't it? I mean, it just makes me so happy. But, you know, when you talk about that vital body, so in my shamanic practice, I work a lot with the luminous light body, which mm -hmm. I think is, I'm intuiting is probably similar. Yeah. Um, and what I'm fascinated by is this idea, you know, when we see those imprints, we see those blueprints, or for me, it's more of these matrices around the cellular structures. Those blueprints are in direct correlation with our genome analysis and with what's happening in our structures that's manifesting a lot of these symptoms, a lot of these things. So how do you dive in? You know, it's one thing to go in energetically, but how do you dive into that vital body? Like where, where do we begin? Well, from a, when you're thinking about the vital body, so this is where you start to look at different ways of assessing and you can assess things at a different layer, right? So depending on where you're wanting to get information and ultimately they do coincide. And the more you, you start to work between the different bodies, you can see where the information correlates. So I'll give you an example. I've done a, a lot of training with um, someone named Dr. Jerry Tennant. He's written a book called Healing is Voltage, um, looks at all of the interplay between the, the vital bodies and, and the physical body and whatnot. So you would look at it from a standpoint of vital body assessments would usually look at things like understanding the role of the meridians and the acupuncture meridians and the chakras and the emotions that go with that, the channels that they um, they run through the different fascial systems and that type of stuff. So they all kind of integrate in that regard. And you can actually assess them using certain equipment to look at voltage within the different meridians that all relate with different emotions and different symptoms that go on it. Like if the liver meridian is is stagnant or not, or low voltage, then there's going to be certain symptoms that are going to be inherent within a problem within that system. So you can definitely look at that. You can also, by doing an intake, just by doing a, a clear intake and mm -hmm. learning about the person's history, understanding where they've had different um, physical symptoms and where they've had different big stressors on their system, whether physical stressors or mental emotional stressors, those are all tied into that vital body. Then what's interesting is then, like you had said, when you then do sort of physical assessments, you often see overlap around stuff. So then I can see, okay, well, someone's been dealing with this or this or this in the vital body, or there's lots of anxiety and they can't sleep and there's whatever. Then you start to see functional assessments and you can see where they mirrors what you're seeing. And then that gives you a place to also address the physical body with right away, because bottom line is that whether it starts up here or starts down here, it still eventually affects the the biology of the body. You know, if you have mm -hmm. a, a thought and you're sitting in resentment for years, that's going to create certain neurochemistry that's going to have a very real biological effect on your body. Um, so then you can address the physical level of it. But at the same point, 
you usually need to still address the, the other layers of it. And I mean, the one thing I've learned from doing this for over 20 years is that it is not separate. Like they are all intimately connected. And ultimately, I think for real healing to occur, there, there needs to be an incorporation of the whole system, not just individual systems. But you can gain information at different ones to get an idea of maybe where you need to begin and how you're going to start to set up a bit of a treatment program for people. Danae, you want to add anything? Well, I just, uh, I was just total in agreement with that. You know, um, it, it's just, I mean, I, I learned everything from the mouth, you know, being in, in preventative dentistry. People thought I was psychic when I would tell them that they <laughs> had this issue or that issue. And I'm like, oh, I think you need to go see your doctor about this issue. And because it, it showed in the mouth, one of the first areas where there's a massive cell turnover, you know, it happens within a couple weeks of time. So things that would happen in the mouth uh, were a reflection or a mirror image of exactly what would be going on um, in the body. I remember this one client drastically, it was just incredible. Um, I'd seen her for a recall um, uh, preventive dental appointment. And uh, she then came and saw me six months later. She had had so much stress in her life and everything that was going around on around her personally that she completely blew out um, the alveolar bone around her molars. So the jawbone was completely gone around her molars in less than a six month period. And uh, it was later diagnosed that she had diabetes, but we first picked it up in the in the dental office and uh, it was just unbelievable the autoimmune attack on her own on her own body. So um, things show up sometimes very subtly. And, um, you know, hormone imbalances and, and things like that, you can see, and often they're reflected in the mouth, one of the, you know, is the orifice to the opening of the of the body. So you yeah. often see those sorts of things, quite subtly at first, and uh, then they just become full blown when they're not paid attention to. Yeah. Even on top of that, Danae, are, are tied in with that. It's like when you're talking about the mouth, it's so true. You'll often see first signs of a lot of stuff in the mouth. And what a lot of people might not recognize too is that all the different teeth are related to different meridians as well in the body. So it's like when you even see problems in certain teeth, they tie into the the rest of the information that's tied in with that meridian. So, you know, if it's a canine and it's tied with the liver gallbladder meridian, then you kind of do a, you have to kind of go in a little deeper to try and understand then, okay, well, what else is going on with that? How do we support that? It could be a physical thing that's going on. It could be tied with holding on to resentment and anger and rage and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's, the body is so interconnected. I still find it such a beautiful process because it's always, and it keeps it always interesting. Um, Cause it's sort of like you get to do this detective work, trying to make sense of how the body is all interconnected and all this information is just always fun to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I was, I'll throw in, you know, as an Ayurveda practitioner, you know, we read the tongue and yeah. that tongue has a lot to say. And I, I have a mission with my own tongue because I know what it's telling me. It's like one day I will not have this crack in the center of my tongue. My, my liver is my Achilles heel. But, um, you know, it's amazing what you can see is, is starting to manifest in the body before it even shows up when you look at the tongue and the discoloration or, 
you know, what's happening with swelling and different things like that. So I agree. There's a lot that comes from the mouth. And it's interesting you bring this up because that was exactly how I got parasites was through a periodontal issue in my mouth. Mm -hmm. I hadn't addressed because I thought it was no big deal. (laughs) And sure enough, you know, this whole thing attacked my system and I had to go through this whole process that was very engaged with the mouth. So it's kind of funny we're talking about it um, here (laughs) because that is my, how it all began. Um, I want to share, thank you, um, D. Mark, who's sharing said alternative holistic energy work is amazing. There are many things that can assist like crystal healing and color therapy. And I want to talk about, you know, just to add on to this conversation is there's this really beautiful kind of spiral that happens with our health where um, as you address the energetic, the physical starts to change. And as you address the physical, the energetic starts to change and it always works in partnership. So um, with my own patients, we do a lot of self-inquiry practice, really looking at why, you know, where are these emotions coming from that are creating the experience? And it seems like that's when the physical, the testing and the information starts to appear is when you start to do the inner work and vice versa. When you receive data, sometimes that's when the inner work starts to appear. Um, How do you guys work with your, your patients in this way? Like what are some of the things that you do or what do you want to share about that? One of the things I check out first, well, and even when we're talking about the inner work and and shadow work and some of these different things that we usually have to do, and I mean, most of us have some degree of trauma that's trapped in the body. Literally, it gets kind of stuck in the body, even, even from a neurochemical perspective. You know, these things, literally, the, the metabolites of emotion literally get stored within the body itself. You know, I remember Candace Pert saying that the subconscious mind is actually the physical body because we we feel these, they're all over the place. But sometimes to do the work is is even too difficult right off the bat because the person is so fatigued and burnt out and has no energy. So I understand where sometimes you have to kind of figure out where you are on in the overall health spectrum. And sometimes I'll start, I often start by doing a more of a of a of a comprehensive overall look and someone earlier talked we talked about normal right and this sort of idea of normal i talk a lot about how normal is not optimal and so i'll often start by doing a bit of a, of a panoramic to look at some of the physical stuff to see like where are you just physically so we look at you know key nutrients key minerals things that are big players because a lot of these different nutrients that we talk about essentially they are cofactors in the smooth running of hundreds if not thousands of different reactions that take place in the body you know moment to moment all day long so if those are out of balance or even when you get into some of the advanced nutrient therapy if you actually have big imbalances that creates dramatic changes and it almost makes it impossible for you to even then work on the mental emotional stuff because you're being literally driven so far into feeling a certain sensation it's like sometimes telling someone to work with say anxiety when their physical body feels like they just drank seven cups of coffee because they've got a big copper zinc imbalance or they have a pyral disorder or or over methylation or something like this that's causing their body to feel like this i mean i I don't know about you i i did an experiment once when i was actually in, in medical school for naturopathic medicine i wanted to understand how if i just changed my physical um world for a little bit how was that going to affect the way that I thought and the way that I felt? And so, a call, and I didn't drink coffee at the time. 
And so we actually went out for breakfast and I had like probably about six cups of coffee. I wanted to see what would happen to my body. How would I react? And I actually had a low grade anxiety almost the entire day. Um, and my brain was constantly going to like, what's going on? It's like, okay, my relationship, is that going to be in trouble? Am I going to get financing for my school? Um, did I pass that exam? Like it was a constant and negative future fantasy spiral because of the way my physical body was feeling. So sometimes we're in a place where we can do the work, but sometimes if the physical body is so out and deficient or out of balance, we have to address the physical body to give it enough ability to even then access that. Because if we're getting pushed in a fight or flight from a, from a physical reason, it makes it almost impossible to do that inner work. We're just not in the state of mind to be able to, to actually access it and, and get information from it. So look at a big overall picture of some of these big things. Talk to someone that knows what they're looking at with those types of ideas. Once you look at that, maybe I'll mention this here because I think this is really important. When you see a conventional doctor, unless they're really more functional in their perspective, when they're looking at blood work, there's really three big problems that happen with most conventional blood work. One, when they tell you that they've checked everything, they did not check everything. Most of what it is, is it's a skeleton now of what it could be. Um, so that's one. When they say everything's fine, you're healthy, even though you feel like shit, it's like, it's not, that's not, there's probably still something wrong, right? Yeah. So first, they didn't check everything. Second, when they're checking blood work for you, they are looking for a pathology that is treatable by using a medication or a procedure. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's very different than looking for functional imbalances, which is often at the root of most people's problems. So they didn't check everything first. There's a difference between looking for a pathology versus a functional imbalance. And then the last thing would be that there's a very big difference between what a normal reference range is for certain things and what an optimal healthy zone is for things. So you look at something like, say, ferritin, just storage iron. So you might be feeling totally fatigued and you know pale and irritable and all sorts of things that be going on. And you get your blood work checked and they say, no, everything's fine. You're normal. Don't worry about it. So I'm giving iron as an example because it's such a big range. So iron could range anywhere between 12 to 300, depending on the lab. I mean, that's a, that's a big ball mark for normal, right? Where an optimal would really be, depending on the source, but I usually think at least over 40, probably somewhere between 40 to maybe 90 or 100 is like where you're really probably not having many troubles with that anymore. But if you're close to 12 or even at 13, you don't get flagged. So you're still considered normal. These are the kind of functional things that usually at some point need to get um, looked at and addressed. Then you've got the energy to then do the other work. I mean, I don't know if anybody knows what it feels like to be um, totally fatigued or anemic, but I mean, you've got no energy to do anything. So to work on your stuff, it's hard enough to just get out of bed in the morning. So. In there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that darn mental pause really uh, puts you through sometimes some uh, lots of turmoil. But at the same time, you know, like like Jason, what you were saying about looking the looking at the basic nutrient imbalances, and and that's one thing that often you don't recognize that you have issues until you're in you're in a, a stress crisis of some sort. 
And uh, I mean, that's what happened to me when we, when we talked about when I had my spiritual emergency or, or psychosis, you know, my brain just shut down. You know, I thought I was functioning and going through all this stuff and all of a sudden, boom, it just, you know, put me flat on my butt. And, um, and so, and it's not one of the things that, that conventional medicine looks at, you know, especially um, the overloads on, on certain nutrients, you know, that those can be so much more harmful to an individual's health and well-being than um, being deficient in certain nutrients. And, and so it, it's, it's really important. And that's where, you know, just getting the education for people on um, advanced nutrient therapy, especially when, when it comes to brain health and mental wellness, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's something that's, that's not ever, uh, or not necessarily ever looked at um, by conventional medicine. And uh, one of the integral parts of healing uh, for mental health, in my in my in my opinion, just because I've walked my talk in in going through that and seeing what you know the psychotropic medication did compared to the nutrients that I was deficient or um, I didn't have enough of. So yeah, so so important, so, so important. And I mean, our our like I said, our biochemistry is determined at conception and developing when our mother's womb, and you know, from birth. And our biochemistry is our biochemistry, and and you know, if we're deficient in in certain things at the beginning, um, it's too bad it wasn't like mainstream medicine to be able to test for those. Um, when we're young children to, and, and perhaps a, from a preventive standpoint, that's the direction we need to go um, and work towards to have this type of testing um, as mainstream um, so that we know and can get individuals from the get-go on the proper, proper nutrients. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. And it would be an amazing thing if your yearly exams included basic vitamin and mineral testing and um, I also I mean my nervous system was overloaded and uh, had neurological issues because of an issue I had with B6 structure and so just like you're saying if you understand that um, you know and if you're really looking beyond those initial panels that you're talking about Jason I mean that's that information is really critical. And um, we have some comments from the audience. Vicki is saying she had her cholesterol checked. Um, first thing they mentioned was a pill to change it. She said no um, and changed her diet and lowered it herself. Um, and we have like, this is the age old question. And sorry, Danae, it cuts your head off because it's long. That's okay. <laughs> How do we access this holistic treatment when insurance will not cover anything but traditional doctors and big P-H-A-R-M-A? <laughs> And so that's a big question because it is a challenge. You know, the testing is, is, yeah, is I can answer, I can answer that one. I, you know, it just, you, you set your priorities um, where they need to be instead of going out for that, you know, Starbucks coffee or whatever, you know, you just put your, your health fund towards other, other things. And, um, you know, I was a single mom for most of the time that um, I experienced these issues and I just, tucked away a little bit of money here and there uh, to be able to afford. But um, in the in the total picture of things, I don't think um, the testing is as, ex is as expensive as some people think. 
Um, you know, Jason, you can you can um, mm -hmm. allude to that. Um, you know, and and you try and find um, you know cost effective measures in order to have the testing done. Unfortunately, you know, Canada doesn't uh, have the have the labs to be able to do this type of testing, and that's where you know we've been working fervently to try and 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 bring this to Canada and and connect with different labs to be able to do these procedures uh, to make it more cost effective. But uh, wouldn't you say, Jason, you can at least um, you know look at maybe five hundred dollars for the labs yeah. that would be necessary. I would say when we do all of the Walsh testing, particularly, and um, and you can even in Canada, if you're the problem is finding a for that specifically for the Walsh approach, you'd have to go to the Walsh Research Institute and look for a practitioner that's within your area that can run the test for you. Mm -hmm. um, but I like for for us for um, in Ontario, we can run pretty much all of the tests we. Pyro one, you have to kind of get in from DHA labs in the States, but all the other ones can be run throughout Canada. Mm -hmm. And you're usually looking at probably around $600 to run a, a pretty comprehensive profile that, that incorporates all of the Walsh testing as well. For the most part, it can be a little less, a little bit more depending, but that's not that big of an investment for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, functional medicine testing can get to be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars if you start to go down a rabbit hole of checking everything under the sun. For the most part, and a lot of times, a lot of that testing is not always necessary. I mean, you really need to talk to someone that can really dial in where to start with and then, you know, from the proper intake to come down. Most of the time with a good intake, you can rule out a lot of different tests that you really don't need and then figure out where where the most important ones really are to to get the information from. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really important. I, I use Great Plains here, um, yeah. you know, for my clinic and, um, you can, you can do a great test for less than $300. If you're just really looking at organic acids, which is what most people want is to see what's actually affecting you. Um, what's the, what are those underlying, you know, co-infections? Um, but I agree like a, a really good intake is the best solution because you're going to know exactly where to go from there and, mm -hmm. and what exactly you want to look at what data you need first rather than doing like the whole thing i also want to throw in a reminder too that um the amount of money i spend on my own testing for myself every year to see where i'm at is far less than what i was spending on emergency room bills and doctor bills and dentist bills and all sorts of things um, when everything was out of balance. So it's kind of this, it's it's just investing differently. It's voting mm -hmm. with your dollars yeah. for something that's going to give you real information and that's going to support you in a different way. I mean, that's kind of the way to look at it. It's I look at that way even with my food, you know, when we buy mm -hmm. local, organic, clean foods, sometimes it's more expensive, but mm -hmm. if it means I'm not going to deal with some kind of major health crisis later down the road, it's, it's worth paying for that. So that's something to keep in mind also, I think. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a good point too. You know, I was listening to some work by Dr. Jacqueline Hobbs the other day, and uh, she was talking about just the importance too of 
really being conscious of where you spend your time, um, how you spend your money, what you spend your money on, like all of that stuff is important. I mean, when you, when you, when you eventually, when you start to look at everything, you know, biochemistry is a really important way to look at things. And then, then outside of biochemistry, I, I think we start to move to looking at frequency, vibration, resonance, you know, light, sound. There's a lot of these different things that act in a certain frequency that we are affected to. And, I would say that that even starts with how are we spending our time and how are we spending our money? So, you know, I choose to do as much as I can local um, whenever you can. I mean, we're in an area where we have access to that better. So it's easier for us. Sometimes it's not so easy. You do the best you can. But I think mm -hmm. just being conscious of where you want to spend your money and, and what you want to support. I feel like that's all really important for overall health as well. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I feel like there's a bit of a discourse, like there's a discord somewhere. It's like the, the mind and body are not functioning in alignment, right? So the more we can get the, the way the mind is and the, where the body, what the body's doing, you know, what we're thinking and how we're acting, that when those things are in alignment, I think we actually clear up a lot of problems um, inside. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, and even something else to note, too, with the, the budgeting and the financial piece is it's still better if all you have access to is a local grocery store and maybe they don't have, you know, organic or non-GMO or whatever, it's still better to go buy the fresh vegetable than it is to buy a canned vegetable. So you can always just make the best choice with what you have yeah. within your budget, within your life. And I think touching on the environment is important too, you know, clean water, clean air, clean environment. It goes back full circle to what we talked about going out in nature. I mean, um, my favorite uh, analogy is we're all walking alongside a cliff and our genetics and our emotional experiences determine how close to the cliff we're walking. And the goal is to back ourselves away from the cliff. And the easiest thing to influence is our diet and our environment. If we can back those things away from the cliff, even if we're experiencing auto-inflammatory or autoimmune or any of those things, we can start to reduce the amount of flare-ups. We can start to get ourselves in a safer space than a space where we're just going to tip over at any moment because, you know, we're in a toxic environment. We're ingesting toxic food. We have co-infections. You know, you start to build everything up. You're stressed. You're emotional. You had sexual trauma. Like, start to add all that stuff up, and then you're you're really pushing over the edge. So the goal is to back yourself away. And, and it's not, to me, I had to do it very drastically to save my life. Um, but if you don't get in that position, you can do it slow and subtle. Don't you guys agree? You don't have to tackle everything immediately. It's making better and better choices. You grow a new body every 12 months. So it's, it's those decisions you make in those 12 months affect the next 12 months and so on. Yeah. And it's dialing into what needs to be worked with. Otherwise, you're chasing symptoms all the time and it'll take you forever to try and treat each symptom. But when you do figure out what needs to be, what's really more at the root, what the main conflict is that's going on, once you can resolve that, the other stuff starts to just disappear on its own. You know, I got into this because I was, I was that sort of bubble boy kid growing up. And um, I had horrible allergies. I remember seeing the allergist when I was probably about six and everything in my body flared up. He said, you know, you're the worst kid I've seen in like 20 years of practice. And I had my EpiPen and my inhalers and all of this kind of stuff. I couldn't eat any raw vegetables. I'd swell right up, allergic to dogs and cats and animals. I mean, everything. And it wasn't until I was really in my early 20s when I actually 
saw a naturopathic doctor, got things worked with. And then over the course of that year, it was like everything just started to get better. And most of it was because I was, I think I removed a lot of the logs in the fire, right? A lot of the things that didn't need to be there that were just not giving me that space for my body to respond properly. So when you're talking about close edge of the cliff, I, I think of this like resilience. And how do we build more resilience so we're not pushed up at our threshold all the time where the littlest thing pushes us over or mm -hmm. we're always over our threshold and then we're always in this symptomatic episodes around stuff all the time. So when we start to build resilience, it's like you get rid of the logs and the fire and all of a sudden you've got a lot more room. That's when I think you start to really are able to enjoy your life anymore. You know, life is not about living in your bubble and taking your bubble everywhere you go you know to me it's like if i travel i want to be able to enjoy local food i want to be able to have certain experiences so sometimes there's a period of time where we have to be pretty strict for a bit because we're so out of balance we have to be strict for a period of time to get back into a state of balance where now we have some inherent buffer in our lives you know so you can do a little bit more but there are periods of time where i think we need to be pretty strict to get back into a more harmonious state once we're there i think our natural ability is to be able to manage life a lot better and if we're keeping our different things in check that are pushing us out of balance i think we just get to live a bigger fuller life well, it was interesting, you know, with the uh, current circumstances that have gone on in 2020 and, and 2021, um, the area that I live in here in Airdrie has all these beautiful walking uh, paths along the canals. And as I was walking along this, this last year, particularly, you could see all of a sudden people having these massive uh, greenhouses in uh, being built in their yards to grow their own fresh fruits and vegetables. Like it's just, you know, it's an amazing gift that keeps on giving, you know, people are coming back uh, to nature, growing their own foods. Uh, what can be more um, health revitalizing uh, than that aspect, you know, and, and the joy of, um, you know, I love to garden and I love to grow my own vegetables and, and just going out in the backyard and picking what you have or having for that meal that day is just a, an amazing thing. And um, just those basic things, you know, bringing um, back to nature and bringing you back to that center and balance of uh, for vitality is uh, so important. So we don't experiences experience those, you know, um, imbalances on either side of the spectrum or or falling over the cliff, you know. So um, just just those simple things, you know, that you can do on your own, and you don't need big space. I mean, when I lived in in um, Trail, BC, I lived in an apartment building, and I had these baskets all over. I was growing vegetables on my patio deck. So you don't need a lot of space to to do those sorts of uh, healthy, nutritious things to, to begin with. So it's just taking the time. I think, you know, people have been been shown that they have the time to, to actually do that. So yeah, so some of the challenges that we've experienced over this last year have been a gift in, in return. So yeah.
That's beautifully said. We just got little chickens. So we're oh. trying to have oh, fun. chickens <laughs> and fresh eggs. I have four kids, so they're very excited. And so am I about these sweet little chickens. So I'm like getting back into to the old ways, which are the natural ways, which yeah. are so, so good. And, you know, I don't want to miss talking about mental health because I know that that's really important for all three of us. And so um, you know, what do we want to say about mental health? Because I know it's been challenging. I mean, as, as a planet, <laughs> mm -hmm. we were forced to go within last year. And that wasn't easy for a lot of people. And it still isn't for a lot of people who are still dealing with lockdowns and isolation and job loss and all sorts of things. So what do you guys want to say about that? Yeah, I mean, that's there's lots to say around it. So <clears throat> I'll I'll kind of talk about the the areas that I think of are important to look at for mental health. And then I'd like to address that just around what's currently going on and how I think that's playing into mental health. So when I think about mental health, there's there's different pieces. And these are just the main ones that I look at. There's more than this. But, you know, initially, I think I like to figure out the biochemistry because I want to make sure it's not something that's going on that really doesn't need to be there. That's just pushing you at a balance that could be controlled by nutrient therapy. So that's the advanced nutrient therapy stuff. So that's looking at all of the Walsh approach. That's making sure you don't have pyrroles. It's making sure methylation is working properly. It's making sure you don't have big copper zinc imbalances or, or metal metabolism issues. So because that sort of stuff is what is going to directly affect your ability to either make certain neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, GABA, all of these things that regulate how we think and feel. And they're not only going to affect how you make them, but they're also going to affect whether you're converting one to another that's causing an imbalance, or if you can even keep enough in sort of what's called the synapse or this bucket between the two neurons to stay there long enough so you can feel the effects of it. So a lot of times I find that that's inherently wrong, especially people that have had prolonged um, mental health concerns, whether anxiety, depression, um, ADHD, up to things like bipolar, schizophrenia, psychosis. But, and especially if you've seen family history of it, the wall stuff is particularly more epigenetics. I mean, like it gets passed down generationally. So we can assess for that functionally. And then I want to take that off the table where that's being supported. Outside of that, then I think you have to look at gut health, you have to look at microbiome, you have to look at even even blood sugar. Blood sugar regulation is the mm -hmm. first place I start when it comes with gut health. I would look at biochemistry and I'd say, just dial in the diet so that you're not doing spikes and crashes in blood sugar. Dr. Walsh found in one of the studies with um, mood and behavioral disorders in kids, it was close to about 35% of them were being triggered by blood sugar swings. So that alone, and I know for my stepson, that was a big one for him. It was like blood sugar regulation was huge. And once we got that dialed in, it was, it was dramatic how much it just softened things and made less sort of confrontation. So outside, then you can look into food allergies and gut biome and all those different pieces, but I would start with just blood sugar would be a good place to start. Then there's a whole area around self-regulation. So what's the autonomic nervous system doing? Are you sitting in fight or flight all the time? Can you get out of that? Can you get back into rest and digest? Can we retrain that using things like heart rate variability assessment, heart math, that type of stuff? Um, and self-regulation, especially when you're looking at kids, starts with the parent. So a lot of times parents don't want to hear that, but when their kids come in for 
you know, mood and behavioral disorders, it starts with the parent because you got to remember the kids basically use the parent's prefrontal cortex as their own template for how they're going to deal with things. So I don't know about you, but I've got three kids and I know that if I'm not in the best state, my kids pick up on that very quickly. So I have to be self-regulated in order to hope that they're going to be able to self-regulate because my brain's actually wired all the way to do it and I still have troubles with it. So <laughs> it's almost impossible for our kids. So just a point for parents that that starts there, but then we can work with self-regulation and we can teach our kids how to self-regulate and train it. Then there'd be the whole mind, body, spirit around it. So it's like, are we paying attention to what's coming up? Are we using it as information? Are we doing self-inquiry? Um, are we working? Are we able to stay with sensation without it taking us on a spiral of thoughts and, uh, and storylines? That's really important. Um, you know, it's reframing things. It's being able to work with emotions when they come up and using them as a tool to heal and to grow. So those would be the areas that I think are really important around mental health. One thing that I think is particularly important that's going on right now is I think what inevitably happens is what we are presented with from the external world will trigger what is going on in our internal world. So when we start to get triggered from what's going on just this past year and a half, and there's lots of triggers, and it doesn't mean there's not real or very real things out there that are triggering us, but most of that is already inside there to begin with. So most of our triggers are usually settled pretty much by the time we're probably like 16. There's not a whole lot of new triggers unless you have some very big trauma that happens. But a lot of them are there probably up until around 16. So when we're getting triggered, as much as there's a lot of triggers coming up, I don't think that they'd be coming up if we weren't in a place where we're actually capable of dealing with them. I really do believe that we're given stuff at a point in time when we're capable to deal with it. And so when they're coming up, there's an opportunity to work with them, like we'd like you'd kind of mentioned just earlier there. So there's always an opportunity with it, but it's it's can we start to actually stay present enough to work with it? And I, I honestly believe that we are there's a collective trauma that's coming up that we are all working with right now. And what we can do that is going to support the the totality right what's going to what's going to support the global field is just doing our own work when it surfaces can we stay with it can we dialogue with it can we work with it in a way that it starts to soften you know can we open up more compassion for ourselves and others and and heal and as we do that we radiate that out to others and that's where we start to really create the biggest amount of change and i think the other thing that's that's really important to think about too when when it comes to mental health issues um, long time in history, there's been such stigma around it. And people think that they're going to go to the doctor and they're going to prescribe a pill. Well, I know what, what Jason and I are, are trying to present is in, there's information out there that's been around for 30 plus years, you know, in establishing a, a balance in the biochemistry through nutrients. And, um, you know, focusing in on that initially, just can lead to the next step and the next step of, of success in, in dealing with mental health issues. You know, I, I, I think one of the biggest things that I've always looked at is um, what is the non-pharmaceutical way that we can, uh, we can use to assist in the healing of our brain? And, um, you know, just that, that 
excellent program you had with Jeff Strong on Friday, or was it, yeah, Friday with your husband. Oh my goodness, I, I didn't realize that um, that he had a program that existed on the drumming and, and the effects of drumming on calming the brain and dealing with ADHD and depression and all those sorts of things. There's so many modalities out there and, and that's one of the things as an educator I love to learn about because you know, the medicine, um, you know, and the nutrient therapy is one part of the picture, but there's a whole cascade of things that that also can be done non-pharmaceutically to assist in, in the healing of, of the brain and, and body, you know, hit it, assisting in that energy healing and and uh, and all those sorts of things. So uh, I think that's just a, a real important aspect of the whole picture of, uh, of healing when it comes to brain health and mental wellness. Absolutely. I'm not sure if uh, Lisa's frozen there. <laughs> I think it's, it's just going to be you and me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. What what has been your experience in in dealing with individuals that have actually been been tested? I know that um, the clientele that I had at my wellness center uh, in British Columbia, phenomenal the results of of individuals just focusing on the advanced nutrient therapy mm -hmm. as a, as a first step <clears throat> of of getting on to kind of that wellness model for for healing. Um, yeah. individuals that were diagnosed with dementia. You know, I had um, a one client, she was a, a registered nurse. And at that time, the consulting doctor wasn't actually uh, taking individuals diagnosed with dementia. And so uh, they had to fly down to Mensa Medical for a, assessment to get on a program. But uh, it was amazing. You know, he, he wasn't able to even write his name on a check. And within a month, he was able to, you know, fully go out for walks and write checks. And, and it's just amazing the, the turnaround in just such a short period of time. Well, I yeah, I think what's really important with it is when you're when you're doing the Walsh assessment, it's like Dr. Walsh says, you know, there's hundreds of different nutrients that we can think about, but there's essentially a, like a small handful that really govern the way that really govern mental health. Right. So you don't have to go into all of these different things. There's really a, a small group of them that impact the brain the most. And so when you can start to look at those, because they're really big players. So you want to figure out the big players first. And what's also important is that these big players play into hundreds of different reactions. So you look at something like like zinc, for example, which is which is notoriously deficient in a lot of people and not so uncommonly out of balance with copper. So when when something like that is going on, welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> so everything just shut down. It was pretty crazy. I was like, we just kept on going. We just so, kept going. But, <laughs> but yeah, so what I was saying with something like zinc, right? When you correct, when you can first assess where it's at and then correct it it affects so many different things because it's such a big, powerful cofactor in hundreds of different reactions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you'll see in, in a lot of times with kids with autism, um, notoriously very low in zinc. And they also tend to be a very difficult problems with casein and gluten, 
right? So they can't very much, they can't digest dairy and gluten very well, or dairy and wheat, more than just wheat, but gluten. Now, part of that is that zinc is actually a cofactor in the dipeptidase enzymes that are necessary for breaking down gluten and dairy. So sometimes it's like, okay, well, what came first? Now, sometimes when you correct some of those imbalances, you find that all of a sudden the child can actually has a little bit more buffer as far as what they can handle, right? But initially, again, you have to get those first parts dialed in. Well, and a perfect example, I have a grandson who's, uh, well, now he's just two years old, but at about 14 months old, I noticed the white spots on his fingernails. And I mm. said to my daughter, Nika, I said, we don't even have to do testing. I says, we need to get Orion on a zinc supplement because he's deficient. Um, the white spots were showing up in his nails. And I mean, you can start to see and, 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 and just the little signs, you know, your body shows you. Um, and that's even without any lab testing or anything that's done. So, um, you know, you can be aware of the signs and symptoms and, and uh, then progress from that point. But, but testing is definitely the ultimate, right? I mean, we can do so much with our intake forms and, and things like that. But, um, you know, the, te yeah. the testing definitely shows the picture. And it helps you fine tune dosage and stuff like that. It, it lets you know sort of how how aggressive do you need to be or not so aggressive with what you're doing. It helps you kind of figure out and it gives you a benchmark to see if you're improving and if you're absorbing. You know, there's one thing to being low in a nutrient and then taking it, but you still don't know for sure if the person is going to be totally absorbing that very well, or maybe they need it in a different form that absorbs better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as the testing goes, it's, it's important. I, I remember testing this one, um, teenager that was brought in to me and he had had extreme anxiety I mean literally to the point that he'd be under the table like biting himself to kind of self-regulate and stuff and um, checked him out on everything and it came back and and so when we check something called pyrrole disorder pyrrole disorder is essentially everybody makes pyrroles some people just make too much of them they're they're basically donate iron to make red blood cells and then we pee them out if you make too many of them, then they have an affinity. Once they've donated iron, they have an affinity for aldehydes like B6 as well as zinc. And they'll suck up zinc and B6 and you'll pee it out and you can have a quite severe deficiency state in zinc and B6. Zinc and B6 are really important, especially for mental health, because they are the final cofactor in the decarboxylase enzyme that converts serotonin or that converts the last step of making serotonin, making dopamine and making GABA. So if you are deficient in zinc and B6, you really have a production issue. You can't make enough of that to regulate behavior. Now you should normally be between zero and 10 when we check this test. Usually mm -hmm. I like to see people closer, like right in the middle around five. And this child was up at about a hundred. And so these are mostly epigenetic, meaning that most of the time people have had this for a long time, you know, often even since birth, right? So epigenetic means that it's passed down, but it can be influenced through diet, lifestyle, and nutrition. So it's not like Huntington's disease where if you get it, sorry, you can't really change that. We can modify. And most of life is epigenetic. We can, inter we can intervene. Nutrient therapy is one of the ways we can intervene. So for this child, I'm just, and he was coming because he was eight, diagnosed with ADHD, he was had anxiety, he was going to be put on another medication for anxiety and stuff. And so they wanted to check it all out. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this child has probably never known what it has ever felt like to feel calm inside his body. Okay. And and what I the part that I really love about that too is then and I can talk to him, I can say, look, there's 
it's like, this is not your fault because a lot of times they think it is, they think there's mm -hmm. something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And so when this stuff comes up, one of my favorite parts is, is explaining. It's like, of course, you're going to feel like this in your body. You don't have the wrong ingredients to feel the way that you think you should feel, but I'm really excited to see that you're going to start to know what it feels like to feel calm in your body again, or probably for the first time. And then we're going to get to know what's really there and then what's not there. Well, and that's exactly what, what I have. I have a pyral disorder and you know, that, that inner angst and worry, you know, you, mm -hmm. you know, I dealt with my whole life up until I was like 40 something years of age and all of a sudden getting on the, uh, the proper nutrients like the zincs and the B6 and the P5P, it was like within a week and a half, almost two weeks, you know, I didn't have that inner tension or angst or, but I didn't know what it was like to be without it. I'd lived that way, you know, my, my whole life. I was in my fifties when, when I actually had the testing done. So, yeah. you know, it, it's amazing how, how you compensate, like you say, and you put up with those things because you don't know any different often. And, uh, you know, what, what a difference just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that simple implementation of the, of those basic nutrients made in my life with regards to, that condition, the pyro condition that I have. So I'm the yeah. exact same sister. Yeah. Exact yeah. same. And it's amazing how much I love zinc. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, really, like, I was having panic attacks and you know, just all sorts of I was like you. And it's funny when you talk about the epigenetic piece, you know, my mom would describe, she said when she became pregnant with me, she started having panic attacks and all this anxiety. She said she didn't know what was going on. And I'm certain it had something to do with like my genetic makeup that was happening inside her body. And yeah. the beautiful thing, you know, what you're what both of you are talking about and is what I love so much too, which is you can heal yourself. You don't mm -hmm. have to accept things the way that they are. And I think, you know, it's like a whole other show for us is, you know, about being your own health advocate and, and not letting anyone tell you that you're crazy or tell you, you don't know what you're talking about mm -hmm. or tell you it can't be fixed. Because what I've learned through my own direct experience is you can fix everything pretty much. I mean, really, the the testing and the data and I've I've had a genome analysis like the reason that I stepped into my Ayurveda practice and do functional Ayurveda with the testing is because I I know that it works and I've lived it myself I've been in that place where I was grabbing onto the corner of my couch thinking I was going to lose my mind <laughs> and and not being able to feel my legs and having all sorts of crazy neurological things and you know it was simply my body was out of balance and yes there's a spirit connection and, and a body connect or a mind connection there's all those things too but the beautiful thing about functional medicine and 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 all of it is that you you can actually learn how to take care of yourself which is something that we don't really learn you know we don't really learn how to eat properly or how to take care of our bodies because we're all such a unique blueprint we're all so different and so you really want to to learn and educate yourself in who you are and how your body works because that is is the key to finding balance i think 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Your, your markers for it. I always think my wife and I will always talk and it'll be, um, how am I feeling? And what is my life showing me? I think those are really simple markers to know if you're on track or not. So pay close attention to how you're feeling in all aspects of life. So how's your physical body feeling? How's your emotional body feeling? All these types of things. And what is my life showing you? Because we really do kind of have this reflection, how we're doing inside. We'll start to see it outside and it'll reflect back again. So if something in either one of those is not working so well, then requires to kind of move on to the next step to figure out what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about your mom because when um, when you're pregnant, copper levels double in pregnancy. So it's actually really important for copper is really important for neuro- neurogenesis in the child. So copper levels have to go up. But if um, but that also if the mom has a copper zinc imbalance, it's one of the it's actually one of the main reasons for postpartum depression, postpartum mm-hmm. anxiety. So if um, if she had that susceptibility, which I wouldn't be surprised, it was probably starting to stir up during pregnancy because she'd be feeling the effects of the of the high copper, lower zinc. That makes a lot of sense. I should have her look at this herself because yeah, I've, it's certainly if it, if it's something genetically in me, it's obviously affecting her in some way. So I'm going to bring it up to her because yeah, it, <laughs> it's. I mean, it, it. She said there was like a profound change. You know, when I came into this world, I came in hot. You guys. <laughs> Hot and wild and ready yeah. to go. Well, and that's yeah. all very true too. I know even <laughs> like with my kids, when especially our second one, who's four now, or turning four in a little bit, um, when she came in, my wife had a big, I mean, each one of her children has been a big shift for her. So there's there's lots of stuff outside of just the biochemistry that plays in with that. But often they all coincide. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. like there could be something that starts up here, but then it also correlates to what's going on in the biochemistry, right? They're not They're not mm-hmm. separate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The spiritual piece of it, you know, I came, I came into this world as a medium and having all of these, you know, experiences and talking in tongues and all these weird things I was doing as a child. And I do believe that that's part of, you know, as part of why I incarnated into my family because of the lineage, but there's actually a real genetic spiritual link. I feel, and this is totally my own theory, but you know, there, there is a need for purification for me to be vital to do my work. And so yeah. I don't really have the luxury that some people do to kind of do whatever. I have to stay disciplined and, and clean and clear or else I start to have symptoms. And I do believe it's part of, you know, really inviting me to walk my path and not really go astray because I can't really go astray or else crazy things start to happen and have. And so I think there's this spiritual component to these physical experiences that we're having. And like I said, it's like a whole other show. I mean, I could talk to you guys forever, but you know, there's really, there's a whole connection with our ancestry and our lineage and Mm -hmm. epigenetics and you know, what we're experiencing in this life. And I think that's a lot of what we're being invited to see right now through what's happened with this global event is we're being invited to take a look, just like you said, Jason, about the this, this global trauma. You know, we're being asked to release some really deep, mm-hmm. profound trauma as a collective group from these cellular structures so that we can move into a different space. And it's really an incredible gift. 
Yeah. And from what I understand from, we did a series just before called Science, Mysticism and Beyond Humanity's Next Phase of Evolution. And we talked to a lot of different people all over the world. We talked to doctors and scientists. We talked to um, spiritual teachers. We talked to mediums and psychics. Like we wanted to kind of cover this whole big realm and just sort of get some, some perspective. And um, how I understand it too is as much as there's a lot of stuff coming up, there's also in some ways more light however you want to interpret that. A lot of times I think of that just as like a frequency and information that's coming in that is actually allowing us to work with things in much faster ways than we used to. So as much as this stuff is coming up for people, it's also there to be worked through and, and sort of transmuted in a way that we've never been able to before. Agreed. All right. Well, we have gone over in time, but I, I just could talk to you forever. So I hope both of you come back and keep the conversations rolling. And um, I want to share, Sean is sharing out here in the group, learning about um, copper, zinc, and B6 from all of you has made such a difference for me at 54. Um, and Jeff is sharing, it's challenging to figure out what is residual from COVID anxiety or just in anxiety in general or real physical issue, which is so true. And I really appreciate all of you guys and your comments and participation. And I want to remind everybody um, that if you um, download the Ajata Casa social media app, if you haven't done that already, you can come join us in the Buddhist Biohacker Forum and we can continue this discussion in there. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, um, I did develop my own social media app. It is called Ajata Casa, which is Sanskrit for infinite and boundless space. It is not divisive. It is nonviolent and it is a safe place with no algorithms, ads, or censorship. So if you want to go in there and join our community of light, it's free. It's free community um, and it's free to download. So come and join us there. And um, Dr. Jason Loken, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so grateful to connect with you and to meet you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been great. And Danae, I love you so much. And I'm so Thank happy you. to have you as part of the community and yes. have you back on the show. And we have so much to talk about. I mean, there's just endless, endless, endless things to talk about when it comes to health. And I'd like to leave it with, do either of you have any last words of wisdom for everybody for today? Oh, and how to get a hold of you, how they find you. <laughs> <That's> you. <laughs> I think for the most part right now, it's it's really important to, at least these are the biggest things that, that we're focusing on right now that I think is really important is kind of comes back to one of the messages we talked about earlier is is really connect back within. It's like you, you do have all the information. You've got the innate healing capacity is within you. I agree with what you had said um, earlier, Lisa. You said just about everything is is capable of being healed. I think we just need to figure out how to unlock it and then let our body do what it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. And part of that process is just figuring out where the blocks are. I really think that's the biggest part. It's like the body knows what it needs to do. We just have to get rid of some of the things that are getting in the way of it. And And mostly once we've done that, then just you know let it do what it's going to do. Um, best way to get a hold of me is through the website at uh, www.drjasonloken.com, the one that's running through here, I think. And if you're interested, you can check out our podcast called Inspire Health Podcast. And 
we've been running a, we usually run series. So we'll do like a large series where we'll introduce and talk to maybe 10 or 15 different guests and we'll round a topic out really completely. And then we bring back and do lives and have group meetings and stuff like that too. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, but check that out or YouTube channel at Dr. Jason Loken ND. Um, yeah, send me a message and I'm happy to, uh, to communicate with you guys. Awesome. Danae. And I can be reached at uh, dandelionhealing.com, dandelion, D-A-N-D-I-L-I-O-N. And um, I wanted to uh, share with everyone again, uh, because my website's so brand new, um, the 61st person that signs up will hold a draw for all the people that have signed up to our website uh, to get Dr. Walsh's book, Nutrient Power. And uh, right now we're running the uh, Purple Ribbon Campaign. It's Mental Health Awareness Month, the month of May. And uh, in honor of my mom and the nonprofit that we set up, um, we're assisting individuals that uh, to offset the cost of these labs and this integrative uh, therapy uh, through this nonprofit. And uh, people can apply. Um, go to the website and uh, get all the information. So, and then just reach out if uh, you're needing assistance because the medical aspect is is the one important part of of advanced nutrient therapy to get things working and in in proper uh, in proper ways. And then um, I I have a um, you know people that work with me through consultation. I have a a 20 page ebook because I've walked these steps by myself and uh, set up a program to assist those individuals that want to go through um, this type of program to get on their journey for healing in uh, mental health and wellness. So yeah. Oh, well, thank you both so much for being a part of today. And a reminder to everybody that if you visit my website, lisamgunshore.com, and you go to Indigo Flow, you can download my free 33-page guide to natural detox and intuitive diet. So um, that is available to all of you as well. And thank you again. And thank you for everybody who's participated today. We've had such a great audience. So thank you guys so much. Thanks. Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>